Coming up today, an old friendship renewed, an old podcast renewed. The Degenerates now on Locked On. Come your way. We're talking football, kids day, and a whole lot more. Stay right there. It's the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back once again to the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. I'm Trent Condon. Thank you again for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. And joined here with uh, somebody that I've known basically my whole life. He is my buddy Biz, Jace Bizgard. And in video form, for the first time, we, for the last couple of years, have done the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast. And now with this new venture, Biz has agreed to join me maybe once a week uh, for the foreseeable future as we'll talk all things Hawkeyes. Biz, what's happening? I don't know, Trent. There's a lot of pressure. We moved, we moved into the digital era. I'm sure for the uh, handful of people that have, have been uh, waiting with bated breath for the Degenerative Hawkeyes podcast to return, this is a big day. But uh, we'll see how this goes, Trent. Two, two uh, middle-aged dudes trying to figure out uh, technology. It can only end poorly. Yes, it's been a struggle for me, no doubt, but we're slowly uh, starting to figure things out just a little bit. I'm going to continue to work on our graphics. I'm, I'm going to get your name up there. Maybe we'll get you some more Twitter followers, but you haven't been tweeting very much. Well, we haven't been together a whole lot here lately either, as we have, uh, we've been apart from the podcasting world since January. After the bowl game, we didn't do anything all basketball season. What was going on? What, what was happening? Was our lives just too busy? No, I think if I remember, Trent, we actually intentionally avoided doing anything in the basketball season because uh, we took a break for a couple weeks after the bowl game. And then about that time, the Iowa basketball team caught fire. And I think we did not want to jinx it, basically. You know, we uh, They got the improbable run started in late January and obviously went through the Big Ten title. And, uh, you know, we, we uh, I think we made the conscious decision we did not want to jinx it. But uh Fortunately, whether we did it or not, Iowa basketball always ends up jinxing themselves. Uh, yes, and, and that was very true. What a disappointing end to things. So we're coming off the bowl game. Iowa lets one slip away against Kentucky. A basketball season that I certainly didn't anticipate we were going to see anything like that. I thought they were going to be a bubble team, probably on the wrong side of the bubble, but I thought they were going to be pretty good. And the season they put together, culminating, obviously, in the Big Ten tournament run, I think it's another one of those conversations we continue to have and, and you and I going back and forth about Fran McCaffrey and maybe the respect that he deserves about this program and the sustainability that he's put together now with this program. You lose Wieskamp and Garzen still have a tournament team. I think that says a lot about what he has built at Iowa. Well, I think with the, uh, with the benefit of perspective of having, you know, being able to sit back four or five months after the the way that season ended. I'm sure if you and I had gotten on, on the air in, in, in mid-March, we would have uh, probably not been so calm and, mm-hmm. and positive. But uh, with the benefit of four months perspective, I mean, you can really look back and think about how awesome of a year that was. I mean, like you said, we didn't expect it. And, I mean, that was just for a month there. They were as good as any team in the nation. And then, unfortunately, the Richmond game – the ball just didn't go in the hoop and they, you know, it was one of those games where they started cold and then you could just kind of tell the pressure got to them and, and just didn't play the way they had for, for the month before. But, uh, 
you know, looking back at it now, you can say without a doubt, it was, it was one of the better seasons that we've seen in our lives. And, and I think it's a year, you know, especially now after you, you see Keegan get drafted so high and have such an unbelievable summer. I mean, it's a team that I think even with the bad way it ended, you know, you're going to look back at it for years and that that was a really, really great team and a fun, fun season in general. It really was. And the disappointing aspect that still lingers for me is there was just such a good path. There was such a good path for Iowa to get to the Sweet 16. Well, they beat Kansas. Oh, probably not. I mean, you play that, that game a dozen times, and maybe Iowa wins two of them. But the path was there. Richmond was a bad team. And to lose to a bad team in the first round, it's one thing the Northwestern State game, going back to that one, and guys hit a shot, they get hot late in the game. I didn't think that team was built to make a run. I really was of the belief that last year's team could have made a run. And at the very least, just get that monkey off of Iowa's back and Fran McCaffrey's back of just getting to a Sweet 16. And, and that narrative could have been driven home. The opportunity was there. And that's why this one maybe lingers and the frustration lingers for me a little bit longer. Yeah, well, if Fran obviously got the one monkey off his back with uh, winning multiple games in the Big Ten tourney and then also you know went all the way to win it. Now, unfortunately, he's got another monkey to to shake off down down the road here because until until they prove it and get to the sweet 16 it's going to be the narrative every every single year with this team is is that we just you know good but not great and mm-hmm. you know i don't know looking at this team that they've got coming back for next year i think they've got a chance again i mean are they going to be you know are they going to win the big 10 probably not but but well, they've got some talent coming back and uh you know i think this is a team that it's taken fran honestly, a decade or longer to get the team he wants. But I think this is the team he wants because it's got everybody on the team is, what, 6'3 or longer. He's got length. They can, you know, they can switch everybody from, you know, one to four, basically. You know, there's no excuses this year. I mean, this is what Fran has wanted. These are kind of the teams he had at Siena was a bunch of, uh, you know, lanky 6'6 guys. Now they're lanky 6'8, 6'9 guys. I mean, you got Chris Murray, Sanford, McCaffrey, all three of them are at least six, eight. And, you know, those are your two through four guys right there. So, you know, know, we've talked about in the past. I'll say it again. I mean, both Iowa football and Iowa basketball are in really good, good positions right now. And and that's been confirmed with what we've seen. We've been gone for seven months and both programs have not only, you know, lots of positive talk about, but they've recruited incredibly well also. And that's both basketball and football. There's been a, you know, a lot of a lot of recruiting wins over the last last few months as well. Well, recruiting's been going good in the NIL space, NIL space, I should say. You know, it's something I want to get your perspective on. It's changing. You've been a Hawkeye fan your whole life. I think of your dad, who I enjoy, just love talking Hawkeye sports with and seeing the evolution of things. You know, how somebody like it is handling this and how they look at it. It's great that these athletes are being paid, but there's so many people out there that don't think that this is the way that college athletics should be going. Your perspective, as things are changing, from an Iowa perspective, I think things are going well, even if they are late to the game. It's something that, are they going to compete with the Texas A&Ms, the Miamis? Probably not. But overall, I think the Hawkeyes and the athletic department probably is in a pretty good space. Yeah, and just in general, I, I probably not the answer you expect from a, a 45 year old white man, but I, I love NIL in general. I, I think it's a great thing. Anything that gets more money in, in the athlete's pockets is a good thing to me because it's, uh, I mean, as, as you you saw from yesterday, I mean, the insane amounts of money that are going into the TV packages, 
what is it, $350 million a year for CBS to get the, the second best <laughs> Big Ten game a week. Um, you know, there, there's so much insane amounts of money out there. It's time for at least a portion of that to go to the uh, the athletes instead of a bunch of uh, you know, rich you know, executives. So, But from an Iowa perspective, and that's really honestly what you and I care about, I agree with you, Trent. I, I think this can be a good thing for, for Iowa sports in general just because I think it can – confirm what we already know, which is that Iowa is known for its stability and there's not going to be, you know, crazy ups and downs. You know, I think what you're going to see is you're right. Are we going to compete to compete with the Miamis and the Texas A&Ms of the world? No, but you're also going to see half of those teams, Miami and Texas A&M, they're going to implode every year because if things don't go well and they don't get off to a good start, what's going to happen. You're going to get a bunch of, bunch of players that are, uh, getting paid a whole lot of money to to either sit on the bench or, or people are going to be uh, you know, up in arms that the people they paid millions of dollars to see are, are not even playing. I mean, the fact of the matter is college football, basketball will be a little bit different because you're paying kids to come in and play right away. But for football, you pay a kid, I mean, Tennessee's paying a kid $8 million to come in and be the quarterback. Is it really realistic that he's going to come in and be a star quarterback right away as a, as a true freshman? I mean, is he going to be willing to sit on the bench and take eight million bucks? I mean, I don't. I just I think our measured approach to it will help in the long run. Um, we, we were never ever going to, you know, uh, nine times out of ten we're going to lose the Caden Proctors of the world to the Alabamas anyway. I mean, he, he's the exception to the rule. So, you know, nothing's changed from that perspective. But I think it can help us. Just you know, our stability can really be a good thing going forward. I'm right there with you. I think this is a good thing. I've continued to say that this is the way of the world in Iowa. Though they were slow, they're doing it also the right way. And I think there's going to be athletic departments that are are going to have to change on the fly. They're going to have to evolve. Their collectives are going to have to change. I was put in a spot, and you listen to Brad Hendricks talk, who put down, put together Iowa Swarm. You can tell. Did you know him back? You guys are the same age. Did you know him? Feels like maybe you guys been in, were in the same circles. No, I don't, I don't know him at all. I was impressed with what he had to say. I do think it's funny that, you know, I always created this narrative that, you know, we're, we're really going to share the pot equally across the board. You know, if you really believe that, you, you've got your head <laughs> in the sand because, you know, I have absolutely no doubt that Caden Proctor is getting paid some amount of money to come here. I mean, let's, let's be realistic. I mean, and that was kind of slid in under the rug a little bit. There, there's multiple different types of collectives that Iowa has here. There's the the swarm one that, that is being shared with everybody, but there's also another one out there that you know, they quietly said they didn't advertise this part of it, but they can go out and get their own you know piece of the pie as well. And I and I I know that there's a few different uh, rather large companies that are w- willing to chip in some money to make sure the Caden Proctors of the world. Uh, are, are rewarded for, for making a decision to come to Iowa. So it, it won't get advertised. You're never going to see it, you know, in, in big headlines that Caden Proctor is getting paid a certain amount of money, but I've, I'm fairly confident he's getting paid a pretty good chunk of money to come to Iowa. Oh, Biz, uh, we're going to come back and we're going to get ready for some real football talk. We'll move away from what we've been doing the last seven months and we will get into what we anticipate we're going to see Saturday at Kids Day. Of course, Friday is Media Day. We'll get into that as we continue, it's the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Before that, though, I want to talk a little bit about small businesses and what LinkedIn Jobs can do for you. Biz, you can tell he's in an office there. He's an important business guy. Even I 
as a radio guy, I've done some hiring in my past, and LinkedIn Jobs can help you out. Create a few free job posts in just minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond with the largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. It'll help spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help find the right people to hire. Hire simple tools like screening questions. Make it easy to focus on candidates with the skills that you're looking for. Small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates that you want to talk to and they do it faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked in college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. You like that biz looking comfortable? Dude, now that I know they're sponsoring us, I'll, I'll go sign into my LinkedIn account for the first time in a few years. Yes. I, I'm the I same have way. an account. I may, I may have to click the uh, forgot password button to, to get back <laughs> in, but, but I will get back in just because I know that they're uh they're fighting the good fight for this podcast. That's what we're looking for, no doubt. So, mention Kids Day Saturday. First of all, you're going to be there. You're going to make the long drive from North Liberty. I am. You know, every every year I end up going to the Kids Day and going to these events, and every year I always afterwards uh, kind of question why I went because <laughs> you really don't uh, you don't learn much at these events. And fortunately, I think the weather is supposed to be decent this mm-hmm. week. If it would if it would have been like last Saturday where it was. Uh, whatever, 110 heat index, I probably would have backed out. But as, as long as the weather cooperates, I will be there and able to give us a a, a, a detailed follow-up next week. So I've continued to say, I don't know this. Spencer, with that, outside of quarterback, though, and that's where most of the attention is going to be, what else are you looking for? You're not going to see anything, oh, here's those wrinkles we've been wondering about offensively, right? It's going to be vanilla there and keeping your eye out for well i mean there's the three obvious things trent which and then move past things that everybody knows which is you already hit on the one which is quarterback play second connection with that offensive line i mean can the offensive line i continue to really wonder how in the world you can ever how your offensive line can ever get better when you lose one of the best linemen in school history Uh, but you know i've heard rumors that the offensive lines at least uh look showing a little more cohesiveness than last year. And then the last of the three is kicker, which we've taken for granted that for two decades or, you know, even longer than two decades now, kicker is just kind of an automatic with this program. And obviously we don't have any idea who the kicker is even going to be. So outside those three obvious areas, Trent, the one area I'm really interested to see is if do kind of a 2018 philosophy on offense, because if you remember 2018 was the Hawkinson and, and Fant year. And for a good portion of that year, they were a really good offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they put up a lot of points and, and they put up 30 plus in like six or seven games here. And the reason they did it is they went tight end heavy. I mean, they, they had two and three tight ends on the field a ton that year. And, you know, I'm since then that they ended up to more wider years. And quite frankly, it really hasn't worked all that well. And so, this year, due to personnel, I'm, I'm hoping that they kind of go back to that tight end heavy and they have both Laporta and Lachey on the field together quite a bit because um, really we only have two established receivers and they're both going to be true sophomores. I mean, 
Nico Regani is there, but let's be honest, Nico Regani has regressed the last couple of years. He, he was not a good football player last year. He dropped a lot of balls and just didn't seem to be uh, didn't seem to be all that confident or engaged. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Nico Regani will take a step back the other direction. But when when your only two legit wide receivers returning are, are true sophomores, I, I hope I hope we get to see a little bit a return to 2018 with a little more tight end heavy action. It makes a lot of sense the way they're built and. I talked about this yesterday during the podcast, Biz. It's just, it's so scary. You think of injuries, and, and I got a little birdie that told me that maybe Gavin Williams is banged up, dealing with a hamstring right now, and uh, he's going to be going through some MRI stuff. But you think a wide receiver. What if that happens to Keegan Johnson? What if Keegan has an injury where he's out for a couple of weeks? The two other guys, Arlen Bruce, he's a gadget piece. He's really good and really talented, and I love his change of direction, what he can do. But he's not a guy you're, you're thinking about going to catch 60, 70 balls. You mentioned the regression we've seen from Regani, and then what? Brody Brecht? He's a baseball player. I mean, that's what he's going to be. I don't know if he's ever going to have the speed necessary to be a Big Ten wide receiver. Bostic, the freshman coming in, I haven't heard anything at all about him. We're hearing about a bunch of walk-ons. We're hearing Wetgen and Wick, and these kind of guys are the ones that we're talking about. Jack Johnson for Valley. That is incredibly scary. An injury or two to those top three guys Who's left? I think that more than anything, yeah, we can talk about quarterback and we talk about Brian and his offensive system. One or two injuries of wide receiver, for all intents and purposes, they're screwed and it might be power football. Get out the air horns. We're going three tight ends. Well, there might already be one or two injuries at the wide receiver. I mean, I think Jackson Ritter's out for the year. Yes, yep. And from what I understand, there's rumors that Keegan Johnson's still not 100% healthy in it. I've heard that. From what too. I hear, those rumors are just solely based on the fact that he hasn't been in any of the photos. But <laughs> right. I, don't anybody, I don't know if anybody has any concrete evidence one way or the other, but I don't know. As we've learned over the years, Trent, usually where there's, where there's smoke, there's fire in those situations. It's crazy how many times that those little rumors end up being true. So, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's scary to think that, you know, we, we spent so much time getting that wide receiver room built up and becoming, you know, getting some depth in that area. And it has definitely regressed over the last few months for, for a variety of different reasons, injuries and defections and inability to gain by out of the portal. Yeah. I mean, you combine all those things. Yeah. We're, we're our margin for error in that area is, is going to be raised within. Defensively. Boy, they're going to be good. I mean, that, that linebacker group, I'm excited about the future of the defensive backs. It's Phil Parker, just the respect that he has obviously garnered there. Lucas Van Ness. I mean, this guy's not even listed as a starter. He had seven sacks a year ago, and he looks like Incredible Hulk out there. This team is a stacked up defensively, coupled with what Phil Parker has done year after year. It, it's just crazy. I don't have one concern. There's not one thing that I look at and say, boy, if this happens, they're going to be in trouble. I think they're going to be a lead again defensively. I think the only concern would be the D-backs. I mean, you are, at least for the first week, you're filling three out of those five positions because, you know, um, you know one, one week, Jamari Harris is going to be gone week one for the OWI. So I'm interested to see, can, can ter- A, can Terry Roberts step up and finally become a an every-down player? Because he really hasn't been able to ever do that. I mean, he's shown glimpses of being a great special teams guy and, and being able to, you know, fill in from time to time. But can he step in and maybe even try to take over that role from Jamari Harris if he plays well week one? And then the two guys I'm really interested in, in the secondary is obviously Cooper DeJean and, and Wampa. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's unrealistic to think is Wampa going to come in and start right away? No, he's not. 
but but I, you know, is he going to play a little bit? Is he going to get an opportunity to, you know, get in and play 10, 20 snaps a game? I think that's possible. And, and I'd love to see Dijon just take the, uh, the, whatever that, the, the cash. What, what we're going to blank on the name of the position. Trent. The cash. The, the cash position. There you go. Take the cash position and run with it. Cause I think, you know, what we saw at the end of the year last year, Iowa doesn't usually burn red shirts of guys like him unless they have big plans for him. And so I think he's going to, my guess is he's going to start and, and run with it from day one. And I hope he does because he certainly appears to be a, a type of athlete that uh, Iowa doesn't always get. So I, mean, I hope he runs with it and I hope we get to see at least a little bit of Wampa on, on, on Saturday as well. He is fun to watch and biz. I, I know you saw him like at the Unidome last year uh, during the state championship run. I've never seen a high school kid. I, as you know, I've called a lot of high school events throughout the years. The way that he his ability to close on people, both in the passing game and the running game, I've certainly never seen anything close to it. But then again, as much football as I've called, I don't see many five stars also running around even in central Iowa and across the state. So you can see why he was ranked as a five star. Yeah, and it's you know, again, I don't think I don't think you're going to see Wampa start. I think he'll get people get all fired up about that, but. You know, hopefully he can get his foot in the door and by, you know, kind of even mirror what Dijon did last year, which is by, by mid-year and, and later on, he's playing, you know, a decent amount of snaps. With that, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about our expectations for this squad, where we anticipate they're going to be for 2022. Biz, usually a little more optimistic of a fan than I am. That's when we continue here on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. So as we continue here, Biz, one final thing, and that is where our expectations are. You'll get to see the team for the first time, the black and gold, see the guys out there on Saturday. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make it. I'm going to be in Las Vegas at Circa. So I know you feel bad for me. I feel bad for you, Trent. Terrible. (laughs) I'll be all right, though. We'll have your perspective, and you'll be able to fill us in on what we see. So as I said, you're more of an optimistic guy as it pertains. I This is just me as a sports fan. I get down in the dumps. You know, I'm – I guess the highest levels of winning. Where are you right now? Because you know where I am. We've talked about it when we've talked this off season. It's that one spot, the most important spot in uh, sports, the quarterback spot that leaves me a little bit uh, disappointed, at least coming into the year. Where are you? Well, Trent, it wouldn't be a podcast unless we brought in uh, some perspective from stat boy, that boy. Yes. You, you didn't give me, you didn't give me much, uh, much time to, you didn't give me much heads up that we were going to be doing this again, Trent. It was kind of dropped in my lap last minute, but I, I did reach out to stat boy and I got him to get us some information on, you know, where the Iowa program sits right now. So let's, let's talk about it because when you hear these numbers, Trent, this, this should make you optimistic for the year because it's pretty crazy because going into this season, here's where the Iowa football program is at. We have ended four straight years as a ranked team, which is the first time that's happened since 1984 to 1987. So we're talking about, you know, and three straight years where we've won at least two thirds of our big 10 games. And that hasn't happened since the early eighties, 1981, 1983. So when you hear those numbers, Trent, and on top of all of that, the fact that we've, we've had a really great seven year stretch here, we're returning, I think what 15 starters mm-hmm. this year, we, we put all those together there's no reason not 
to be optimistic. And heck, Trent, maybe we should be uh, booking hotel rooms for uh, for Indianapolis early December again. That so, would be a good idea, right? Yeah, get a yeah. get a jump on things, and you can cancel them. So, so having said all that, uh-huh. and after getting Statboy's perspective, Trent, unfortunately, I think I probably lean more towards pessimism than optimism coming into this year. So, you know, obviously every game sold out. So there must be some, there's more optimism out there than, than you and I are portraying today. But the thing I keep going back to Trent, when, when it comes to this year is Charlie Jones. Mm-hmm. And the fact that there was no evidence whatsoever that Charlie Jones was, was unhappy with this program. In fact, just the opposite. I think if he thinks this offense and, and in particular, this quarterback was on the verge of, of being fixed. I mean, I think if he thought that they were close to turning the corner as an offense, which I, you know, obviously that's the selling point that, mm-hmm. you know, you, you hear Brian Ferentz, you hear Kirk Ferentz, you hear, you know, all the other coaches say that, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're that close. You know, if we were really that close, does Charlie Jones leave for Purdue? And that's what I just keep coming back to is, you know, I want to be optimistic. The numbers say you should be optimistic. The program's in a great spot in general, which, you know, you and I talked about it after what happened a couple of years ago with this program and and Chris Doyle and all that. To be where we're at as a program is amazing. It really is. I mean, we are in a great position as a program. I think good things are coming for Iowa football. I'm not sure those things are necessarily going to come in the next few months. I mean, having said that, do I think we're going to be five and seven? Absolutely not. Sure. But, you know, we, it's probably the opt out every year, Trent, but it feels like an eight and 14 to me. Yeah. And I'm maybe even a tick below that at seven. Watched a couple of games uh, here within the last few weeks and just watching Petrus, it's not pretty. It just isn't. Last year, now you can go back and you look at, you know, his first career start at Purdue. It was the last time he threw for over 250 yards. In fact, the only time he did that against Purdue. He was throwing the ball around. He also turned it over. But we saw some glimpses, at least in 2020, that maybe there'd be some optimism. I think Padilla gives them a better shot of doing some things. Can they beat Michigan with Petrus as a quarterback, even at home? I don't think so. Are you beating Ohio State? Not a chance in the world. You're not going into Columbus and beating that team. And then you're also going to beat every one of your rivals again this season. Your game's beating your rivals year in and year out. 7-5 and five with losses to Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin and Purdue again, and then one of the rivalry games, Nebraska in the mix. Yeah, I think that's kind of where I am. Prove me wrong, right? Prove me wrong, and we'll see what we can do. Well, the prove me wrong is definitely that's right where I'm at when it comes to Spencer Petras. Because if, if you remember, we had this very similar discussion last year, mm-hmm. and, and I was firmly in Spencer Petras's corner for the reason you just said. I thought at the end of 2020, you know, when we – kicked Wisconsin's butt and, yeah. and he came back and, and played really well at the end of the second half of the Illinois game. I thought we'd seen kind of a, him kind of turn the corner a little bit. And I thought going into last year, he was ready to quarterback. And so, you know, I, I bought in last year. I'm not going to buy in this year. It's one of those things, you know, fool, fool me once Trent. Uh, <laughs> we'll never be fooled I'm again. I'm not going to let, not, not going to let him fool me twice. <laughs> so we'll, it's, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I hope you're wrong, but you know, I think we've seen enough of him yeah. over the last few years to kind of know what he is. And what he is, he's got a great arm. He's a big, strong quarterback. But when it comes to being able to translate those skills to a, a game setting, I'm just not sure it's it's there. And, and, you know, I think he's a very intelligent kid. I think he understands the game of football. He knows what, what needs to be done. It just, you 
football's a very instinctive game, and I'm not sure he's a very instinctive quarterback. He's only thrown for over 225 twice in his career. That's 19 games that he has played. Nate Stanley, in comparison, did it 16 times. 41% of the time, he went over 225. Not a real high hurdle there, and it's been a struggle for Spencer Petras to get there. We'll see if things open up this year. Running game gets a little bit better. Offensive line better. All things that all can happen, but we got to see it. And that's where we'll be with South Dakota State. Business is fun. Thanks for doing it. And, uh, well, we, our old production yeah, we had the biz marquee. We had business beat, all those things. We'll see if we can slowly introduce those, but we're working for a network now. It's a little bit different. Have you have you contacted the biz marquee estate to see if we can get the uh, the rights to their music? Well, I saw them out in Vegas when we were out there, what, 12, 15 years ago. I, I was just hoping maybe I'll run across the sun or something like that. Shockingly, he was in line for the buffet line. So it was a... uh, me and Biz, we had a good time. We did. And Biz, been a good time with you. Thanks for joining me here today, weekly. You're going to be able to do this? Your work schedule going to allow? Well, if you give me more than a 12-hour advance notice, probably. But, All right, we'll uh, make it. You, you got to give me more info so we can get Stat Boy involved. In yes, as well. we will do I, that. I will try to join as much as I can or as much as you'll invite me, I guess. If uh, if. Having said that, if you get better guests, uh, I, I will not be offended, Trent. So. We always have fun. I have, I have no problem being the uh, the last option available, let's put it that way. No, we'll, we'll try to make this a weekly occurrence, no doubt. It's Locked On Hawkeyes, your first listen each and every day, free and available wherever you get podcasts. You can also follow the Locked On Network with Locked On Big Ten. Nate Dickinson and the local experts, they'll take you around the Big Ten in 30 minutes each and every day. Make Locked In Big Ten your second listen Every day, that's Locked On Big Ten. That'll do it for today. He is my buddy Jace Bisgard. I am Trent Condon. This has been the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Go Hawks.